welcome to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Tuesday and talk about what happened on Sunday. And occasionally we have a guest. This is one of those occasions. We're missing lead pastor Aaron, but we added chairman of the elders, Dave Howard, which is awesome. Uh, Dave, how you doing this week? I'm doing good. How about you? <laughs> Not too bad. Any uh, <laughs> Anything notable? Did you do anything fun? Oh, preached man. a sermon did you have any extra time pre- pre- outside of sermon prep uh no not really but <laughs> I, I i do have something to share so mm. um we we've got a couple of dogs and um for some reason lately they've decided that they don't want to stay in the backyard okay and so a few times now they've ripped part of the gate off and tried to get out well yesterday a, a very inopportune time they ended up taking off and Debbie came up as I was trying to wrap up work and said, the dogs got out. We got to go find them. So, you know, we're we're driving around trying to see where they may have gone, followed all the routes that they normally go on and, and nothing. And then Debbie decided, well, maybe I ought to hop on Camby now and see if anybody there in their dog rescue mode is said anything so anyway they ultimately led us to the dogs and she was able to recover them and get them home and the whole time the holy spirit's just whispering to me dave remember be merciful be merciful (laughs) 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 and did you uh yeah i wasn't i wasn't wasn't too happy but we we just kind of went to our own corners for the night and i think everything's good be merciful to the dogs yeah (laughs) i was yeah (laughs) Of course. So can be now. Is that like the Facebook page? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's a group of people. I think their their mission in life is to go out and find lost dogs and communicate. And there's a really, it's an amazing network because we're sitting yeah. here tracking them down, and we get pictures that are posted. Well, I've seen these two dogs here, and then somebody so... else says, "Well, I just saw them here," and you know, it <laughs> really helped guide us to where they were. That is awesome. It sounds I, like actually a fun game. I like. I'm not on can be now often i think actually mallory my wife sometimes checks it um and tells me things now and then but i'm like never on facebook but one thing i signed up for not too long ago was next door it's like an app you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I-, I got a notification i think it was today of someone posted a picture and was like this random pony is at my uh mailbox does anyone know whose small horse this is <laughs> <This pony. laughs> I was like, did anyone's pony get out of their backyard that is not something you <laughs> you see every day lost dogs make more sense but a lost horse pony a small <laughs> yeah. pony yeah so that was kind of interesting the other thing i saw in there was this this picture this i think it was a yeah it was a woman who posted it was like if you're ever driving by this young man be very careful he's he's a crazy driver and then there's these like pictures from her car to his car and he's like looking over and it's like this late teenager kid probably just being dumb and not not obeying all the rules you know and he just looked baffled as she's taking pictures and posting it on next door so nice. i'm assuming that's something similar to what's going on Cammy now or or what is, it, is that what it is it's like the uh it's like the community water cooler basically yeah pretty much Cammy now is like anything you know did you hear those loud booms yeah, yeah <laughs> that's exactly. the classic Cammy post what yeah. are those loud booms i don't know the same booms you always hear <laughs> the gun range or just i don't know things boom i guess <laughs> a car backfiring yeah 
Well, we were driving down trying to find the dogs, and I was driving over in Tofty Farms, and I heard this loud bang, and I looked over to see what it was, and these kids were playing basketball in the street, and they'd backed off while this car was coming, and this driver <laughs> ran right over their ball, and it's a boom. Oh, <laughs> no way. It's loud. When a basketball yeah, pops, it it's is, loud. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Well, good thing it was a basketball nice. and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow. Rob, uh, how was your week? Um, it's been good. Pretty quiet around here. Not a whole lot, um, going on. Um, we've, I mean, I guess the big news is we've been doing a little bit of, um, cleanup and, and sort of refurbishing a, one of the rooms in our church that hasn't been used for a while, um, which has been pretty cool. So we've been doing that. Um, but, uh, yeah. And we're going to get new handrails. Thanks to Brian Olson. Yeah, and his expert carpentry skills. That guy is amazing. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. It was funny. I talked to him, and I'm like, "Oh man, I, uh, yeah, it looks like you're, you know, he had just started." I was like, looks like it's going to work out pretty good. And he's like, oh, I don't know if it'll be good, you know. <laughs> he's like doing all this prep work. And then it's like I see these like nice handrails that as he's get, coming together, I'm like, man, I don't know how you, you know, get all those cuts right, you know. And he's like, oh, it's really pretty easy. You know? Like he's like all downplaying it. I'm like, dude, these look nice. And he's like, I don't know, not my best work. Basically, he's, like, he's just like, whatever. Uh, yeah, Brian is definitely a master craftsman. Yeah, dude. It'll, I mean, to, well, with the the shape of that handrail, when you yeah. do those angle cuts, you don't just make the angle cut. You have to shape out all of those, you know, curves on it, you know. And I'm like, that is not easy. And he's just like, yeah, you, I mean, you just get used to it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, probably. When you've done it as many times as you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he does have a few years of experience. Exactly. Under his belt, yeah. they look, and they look good. A couple decades. Yeah. Yeah, but he had a little bit of time on his hand recently and, and was kind enough to come and serve our church in that way. So we're they're still yet to be installed. He's still working on them, but really needed because – you know, now that we have life groups up there and there's a lot of folks going up and down and there's a lot of people who need <laughs> who need the support. And yeah. unfortunately, on some of our stairwells, we don't have a good a good handrail. Yeah, so. it's kind of random, some of the spots that don't have handrails. But yeah, yeah, we actually had a few there. people in our life group that were struggling because yeah. there was that section that didn't have the handrail there. So Well, yeah. it be, should be, be done, I think, sometime within this week or, or next week. depends on the yeah. schedule, but... But uh, anyways, yeah, new handrails. Yeah, that'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was our week. So exciting. Nice. Yeah. What, what does you do, Cody? Uh, yeah, I uh, I got to – I had a couple of blasts from the past kind of moments. Mm. Not really blasts from the past, but I have a good friend that I went to church with in high school. We, uh, we've recently reconnected. But it's funny. We I had him over for dinner, him and his wife and his son, uh, like at the beginning of the summer. And, uh, and then he was like, yeah, we should have you over. And I'm like, yeah, let's plan it. And then like literally, uh, Sunday afternoon or Saturday night was the, when we got back to doing it, <laughs> like it was like months and months and months <laughs> because making plans with adults is <laughs> just yeah. hard. That's usually how it works. <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. So that was fun. And then I went to a blazer game last night and uh saw a few random people saw brian uh winchester he's another pastor of a a church that we uh end up doing stuff with in the kind of nine marks Mm. network and then saw this kid who went to emily's church like in high school 
And I was like, Jeremy, what's up? And he's like, oh, Cody. And he gives me a hug. And then the guy he's with is like, Cody, and opens his arms. And like, so I'm like, I give him like a hug and he's like spilling his beer everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, after I hug him, I step back Uh and look at him and he's like, He's like, I don't know you. (laughs) I was like, dude, I didn't think you did. But when you said my name, I was like, oh, man, I don't I guess I forgot who this guy is. So I just hugged him anyways. I didn't want to be a jerk, you know. And then he was laughing that like he got me with it, you know. And he's like, do you know, like Chris Smith? And I'm like. No, and Jer- this Jeremy guy's like was like, yeah, dude, he doesn't know him. Like he's like just like calm, <laughs> calm down, guy. <laughs> don't they have a so drink limit at funny. that place? I mean, I don't think he was like crazy drunk sure. or anything, but he was just like, you know, yeah, he was feeling happy. He for was sure. very cheerful. <laughs> Whoever this dude was, still don't know him. Oh, that's funny. Well, but yeah, I'll actually, hug him next time I see him on that Saturday, another thing we should mention is we were able to come and celebrate with Lauren and Vanita Lesher. Yeah, that 70th. was awesome. That was a cool. So good. They had like basically at Lauren's request, he wanted to sing some old Christian uh, songs, you know, some yeah. worship songs, but more like the Sunday school worship songs. I feel like not like hymns. I mean, yeah, they weren't necessarily hymns. As I mean, you probably find a number of them in hymn books, but they were the more like gospelly. Yeah, hymns. You know, what they I mean? were the they're yeah they were easy to follow along with, but n- I wasn't familiar with most of them. Really, because they were like from the you know had to be forties, fifties. I don't know, like they're quite yeah you know, old. But yeah. it, it, so it I was, knew some, but not all. And then we hit some just regular like old love songs. Me and my gal going down the river and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. pretty good. I mean, it's hard to imagine being married for seventy years. Dude, I mean, a lot of crazy. people can't imagine being alive for seventy years. Right. And we were trying to do the math of how long it would take us to hit. What What'd you say it would be? Oh, for me, it's two thousand seventy seven. Two thousand seventy seven. Because I was oh seven years. Yeah. 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 Well, we're at uh, Debbie and I are at forty years, so it'd be two thousand fifty three. So. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, the har- the really difficult thing is most people don't live long enough to see seventy mm-hmm. years of marriage, and and yet they were married younger, you know, than most nowadays. And yeah. they've uh, you know been together through it all. And he shared some funny advice and some real advice, and he had yeah. a few things to say. And do it you was, do you do you have his? Uh, I'm his, not going to repeat his. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat his great advice. If you want to talk to Lauren about marriage, oh, and, dude, ask him what's the key to a long marriage. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll he tell a good, you. Uh, he had a zinger i think is what he'll tell you (laughs) um i thought vanita's comment was even funnier though that's true where someone was like do you ever consider divorce and she's like murder i consider (laughs) (laughs) not divorce and you know of course it was just a joke yeah they're cracking up laughing it was uh, very funny it was a good time and and uh it, it was just great to see the longevity you know of someone who's just committed to each other or mm-hmm. a couple who's committed to one another and committed to the lord and is serving faithfully and and all of that it's just a wonderful you know thing to see and it's encouraging you know for for us who aren't going to be there for a number of decades yeah. <laughs> so you know there is hope yep. in this world of a lot of brokenness you know right well i've always so. appreciated how how lauren connects with people of of all ages you know he doesn't yeah. just go away with uh, the seniors he connects and mm-hmm. you know i appreciate uh, particularly like his relationship with uh, troy palafox oh yeah and yeah. the way he's built into troy's life and and the impact that that's had on troy yeah. and it would be just as easy to say you know you're not in my group but that's not the way lauren is 
Yeah, mm. no, and he took us, he took me to lunch. I think he took you to lunch. Mm-hmm. He was very, yeah, he's wanting to get to know us, and he's very generous in that way, and so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny sometimes, like, when someone wants to, can we grab lunch? They have something to talk about. Yeah. You know? And uh, with uh, with Lauren and, and Rudy, for me, both of them, it was just like, yeah, just wanted to say great job. <laughs> Here's your lunch, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. So but that yeah, was, I mean, crazy cool. to think over 70 years, they probably saw a lot of changes. Oh, man. Which is a great segue because the main point of our Sermon on the Beatitudes was Jesus changes everything, starting with me. <laughs> that was the main point. Wasn't yep. that, a good, that was a good segue, right? <laughs> segue. Excellent. Nailed it. Excellent. <laughs> what was the title? Uh, the title was The God Who Changes Me. Mm. Yep. And uh, so, Dave, you were sharing in in Aaron's absence this week, preaching for us. Um, What did you think? The Beatitudes is a funny one because you've probably heard a number of sermons. It's a fairly common one we come back to all the time because it is so good. Um, But what was it like kind of studying it and trying to... I don't know. Did you have, did you try to act like you'd never heard any of it? To like, you know what I mean? Like to no, get there? Or, yeah, no, you, you could never pretend like you haven't heard the Beatitudes because right. they're, they're words that are so familiar to, to everybody that's read the Bible, that's been a Christian, that's, you know, walked with Christ. And the I think there were two challenges. One for me was, um, you know, not being um, um, a preacher by trade. Um, one of the things that struck me as I was preparing was uh, it was one Sunday about two weeks ago I was sitting down in like the fourth row on the right and I just had this sudden realization that I was going to be preaching Jesus's words and mm-hmm. as as God the Holy Spirit Jesus were my primary audience I was going to be standing up on this stage telling people what Jesus was saying. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge responsibility. I don't think it had ever dawned on me quite mm-hmm. like that before. I've done a lot of teaching, but you know, standing up and having God as that primary audience and explaining His Word, it was like mm-hmm. really incented me to make sure that I really understood and got from the Holy Spirit the message that He had about those particular words and and what that meant. And Mm -hmm. that's really what drove this idea of change. So, you know, as we're talking about particularly this break during the the Ten Commandments and, you know, why did we jump forward during the middle of that to the Beatitudes specifically? And it was like this, this world change from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the the message that the Israelites had about the, the law to, to this new message of, of this new kingdom that Jesus was trying to impart to people and what it meant to be that person and, and the change that, that the people were hearing. You know, I don't know if they really realized as they were sitting on that mountain listening to Jesus that this was the God who created the world. Everything that was created was created through him. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they had that realization that those words that were being spoken to them were being spoken by him. Yeah. Right. And it, he was coming to fulfill the law. And he that's was coming like, to fulfill. And he says it uh, a little bit later that that's, mm-hmm. that's why he came. 
But those words of, you know, here's the character that I want to see in you, that I want to develop in you, that I expect as, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it, it's, you know, and I think I tried to make the point a few times, it's not a change that happens once. Like, you know, when you become a Christian, you know, the first verse I ever memorized in the Bible was seven, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17. says, when you were with Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. Mm. So that's a, a transition that happens, but the change that happens, the growth that happens as we develop as disciples is continual. And, you know, you can really go back and you can go through these Beatitudes and you can see different times in your life, different times in your walk where God is isolating one of those conditions of your heart and and saying, here's where I need you to grow. Here's where Mm -hmm. I need you to change. Here's where I need you to improve. And that's really the point that I was, I think the Holy Spirit was leading me to mm-hmm. with this particular message. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. You kind of outlined the, the process of change, and I think you used the example of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like computer software, right? Right. right. <laughs> like, and uh, it's funny because uh, it, you know if you're if you volunteer with us, then you've used planning center, and they <laughs> went they went through a change not that long ago, and I remember just being like, this this update sucks. I hate this. <laughs> like, why it doesn't work good? It's all like, what is all? Because you're trying to relearn it, you know. And you talked about uh, you probably could say it better than me, but that process of like, you have to like recognize you need a change Mm -hmm. and then you know and then eventually you like actually want the change you might recognize the need before you actually want it right right (laughs) and then eventually you have to actually okay now i'm going to actually go through uh with the change um but yeah it is hard and so uh kind of the the question one of the discussion questions we were talking about is what uh why do you think that is why is it so hard to change and also like i don't know if you uh, personally have something you think of when you're like, God changed this in me, you know, like a, maybe drastic or small or whatever. Well, I, I think, you know, to answer the second question, God changed everything in me. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one that was born a Christian, raised a Christian, didn't know anything but being a Christian. I was definitely not a Christian and God changed everything in me. And I've seen him over the years, and and I shared even just a brief example from when we were in Uganda, how God Mm. really, even when I thought, well, I've been a Christian 20 years, so I've been doing this a while, he really showed me that I don't know anything. (laughs) And and he really broke that spot in my heart and and made that uh, beatitude that says, blessed are the poor in spirit. He made that very real to me, mm-hmm. you know, because I think I'd gotten to the point where I was feeling um, confident and um, I don't want to say arrogant, but I, I just didn't feel like there was much more I was going to learn until yeah. I went into this group of people and, and learned that <laughs> I, I had a lot to learn from them. But yeah. I, th- I think change is hard because, you know, nobody likes to change. I think people get comfortable where they're at and they don't like the idea that I've got to get up and and change this about me and become something different and the process is seldom comfortable oh yeah yeah Yeah, I think ultimately I mean when we're talking about the type of changes that Jesus has in mind right (laughs) the change from 
<clears throat> you were destined to be separated from God and now you are transformed into this kingdom of light, right? That's, that is, that's, it's hard. It's more than hard. It's impossible mm-hmm. for us. <laughs> like we can't make that change. Christ has to make that change in our hearts. Right. But then, um, and so in that sense, change, you know, in, in a salvific sense is like not just hard, but impossible apart from God. And Absolutely. so that's yeah. kind of what he's getting at in this whole sermon that he, you know, gets into. Um, yeah. but yeah, it is, it is hard for us. It's difficult because we like our rhythm. We like our consistency. And, uh, when that gets upset, it's, it's yeah. difficult to make a change. So, well, I, I think a lot of times the, the people kind of settle in their complacency. Mm-hmm. Um, in the one that, that I was thinking about on that particularly was the, the second beatitude that says, blessed or mourn those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And it really wasn't about just a, a sadness type of mourning. It was this, this you know, soul-wrenching grief over sin, sin in my own life yeah. and sin around me. And, you know, I think we've become too comfortable with the sin around us in our own life. We don't recognize the, um, you know, what you call the respectable sins. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we don't, our, our hearts don't break over that. And and that was one that I think as I was thinking through this and preparing, that was one of the two that really struck me that my own heart needs to be sensitized to. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think too, yeah, I mean, uh, even as we learn more and more about how the human brain works, we start to see how difficult change is just from the, you know, from a, a scientific standpoint of the way you know pathways line up and synapses or whatever you know like those things the once your brain starts doing that it follows that pathway again and again easier Mm -hmm. and easier you know and yeah when there are things that happen in our lives that normally we would run to this sin we'll do it over and over and over again uh which is funny because then you go to the bible with places like be transformed by the renewing of your mind you're like oh they kind of like they were onto something there like that that has been confirmed the more we understand how human thinking works, you know. Um, so that change can be hard just from that standpoint. And again is where, yeah, it's all it's all on it's all on God. Like the we can we can do our best and we can try, uh, but the ultimate work is done by the spirit, like you're saying. Uh, yeah, one of the changes that was really hard for me to embrace as a younger mm-hmm. Christian uh, that I can remember now that I was like, I don't know when you're, when you're sort of young in the faith, you're, you're very hopeful, so naive in some ways, you know, you're very like zealous and that kind of thing. Anyways, I had friends that I was very close to who were not Christians. And so, you know, I, after reading the scriptures, after learning about who God is, a part of me knew I probably shouldn't continue to spend so much time with these people these people who I knew had no intention of like following God and who were doing things that were not good, <laughs> destructive for my lifestyle, you know? And, uh, so it was hard. It was, it was a hard change to begin to put God first and to have to sort of fade away from those relationships that I was close to those people I was close to. And, uh, even, you know, having conversations, of course, not just saying like, not just ghosting them or whatever, but having to have the hard conversation to say, I can't really be around you anymore because the things that you're doing, the way that you're choosing to live your life is so opposed to the way 
I feel like God wants me to live my life. You know, like that was a hard thing to embrace, I think, um, as an early Christian. And then, uh, but of course, in the end, even though that was difficult, God, you know, I wouldn't say like replace, but even, even better than that added to the relationships I had all of these new, healthy, spiritual, you know, Christ centered friendships and relationships that were much more helpful for me. And, you know, not in, in a spiritual sense, of course, but even in a, in a worldly psychological sense, they were better friendships. Mm. They were fun. They were better encounters. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but, yeah. but when you're young, you think, Oh no, these are the people that I have to be around forever. You know? Well, the but. thing, the thing that I, I really feel like, uh, so I, the, the title was, uh, the God who changes me mm. he, and I wasn't wanting to stand up and point the finger at everybody out there. But mm. the, the point is that, you know, God, God works with each one of us to mold us, to sanctify us, to, yeah. to make us more like the image of Christ. And, and really the message that, I hope came through was that everyone that was hearing, everyone that's a Christian, everyone that's a, a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, needs to be in this constant state of change where mm. we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and change us and use like these twelve or these eight qualities that that Jesus brought up in the Beatitudes as as um, kind of an impetus, an invitation, and the way the Holy Spirit would speak to them through this this word was to instill a hunger to grow in, in one or more of these areas. Because it's not like, you know, we're going to divide up into eight segments here. Mm -hmm. You know, the meek go stand over here and the, the peacemakers go stand over here. These are qualities all eight of them belong to every every individual. Mm. And so we all have some measure of each one of these, and God is going to grow them in us. And mm. we need to be willing and even hungry for that change and, and for God to make those changes in our lives. Mm. Yeah, mm. for sure. Maybe we should read it really quickly. Yeah, you want to? We well, we I think it might be cool right before we read it to point out uh, some of your thoughts on the, the structure. Like the that book in, you know, like like you're talking about like read you know, when we study the Bible we read it and we reread it and we reread it. Sometimes I make this mistake where I'm like, Oh, what am I teaching on for youth group? And I'm like I and I've I've done I've literally I'm ashamed to admit this, but I've literally done this where I like generally kinda know the passage and I don't even actually read the passage. I just jump straight to some commentaries to like, okay, what am I going to teach about this? <laughs> and I just go straight to the commentaries. And I'm like, maybe step one, it'll the commentary will say something. I'm like, oh, what's it referring to? And I'll go look up the passage that I'm studying. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe that should have been step one, you know? Yeah. But so as we read and reread and reread, uh, you know, sometimes important components of the structure come out to us. Um, and a big one was one you mentioned that the it's bookended one verse one verse eight or or yeah yeah ten well yeah be, not be, verses but beatitude, beatitude one and eight, one and eight right. both end with theirs is the kingdom of heaven you know kind of bookending that all of these <laughs> you know are in the kingdom of heaven they're not you know um, the way that that gets kind of like uh, you know top and tailed like that. 
uh, yeah. as a signal of what else is happening on, in the middle. Actually, that's there were nine blesseds or blesseds. That's a whole another conversation. But yeah, I tried. Uh, I tried to avoid that. One. Yeah, it was it was funny. <laughs> it, came, it came up in small group when we read I it. Like it blessed. was blessed, and it's like why why it should just be blessed, right? We no. always say blessed. Anyways, it's not. Which I thought blessed. was kind of funny. You mentioned in your sermon. Blessed but. sounds Christian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's it should <laughs> just be sounds blessed. churchy. <laughs> blessed but um 10 and 11 um you were sort of saying or one attribute right persecuted being persecuted yeah. and reviled they are really yeah, yeah which was um an interesting point but i think that's helpful yeah the kingdom because, of heaven be, is be, in the front in the beginning yeah because if you look at that last one it, it starts off in the same tone as the rest of them is, is a general you know blessed are you if you have this attribute blessed are you those who are persecuted but then, because it was so important to get that that message across, he went over and he made it personal. And and, and it's like, I'm talking to the group, but now I'm going to talk to you yeah. individually. So blessed are you when you're persecuted. Oh, I see what you're saying. The pronoun changes. The pronoun changes. Wow. Right. That's a good Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So here, let, let's uh, let's throw them all out there, and then maybe we can— So hold, hold on a second. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I get geeked out over structure. Yeah, yeah. Go right? for it. So, so there were a number of structural things to this that I brought out. One was that, the sandwich of the— um, you know, the the blessing of the, the kingdom here and now, but then the, the future. So you're going to get a component of it now, but the, it won't fully be fulfilled until mm -hmm. the, the kingdom fully arrives with Christ's second coming. The second aspect of it was a breakdown between the first four and the second four, yeah. which really aligned with the breakdown of the Ten Commandments between the first great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And then the, the next six were love your neighbor as yourself. So the, mm -hmm. the first four of the Beatitudes were really focused on this draw, this hunger, this emptiness that's drawing us to God and to seek his righteousness. In fact, Jesus, when he goes further into the Sermon on the Mount, I think reiterates this point where he says in 633, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, mm -hmm. and then all these things will be added to you. So, mm -hmm. so he, you know, that's a very important point that he's making multiple times. So, so there is that. And then in both the fourth beatitude and the eighth beatitude is talking about seeking the righteousness so seeking the righteousness of god and then the being persecuted for righteousness sake so there's you know you, you could spend a lot of time dwelling in the structure of um these just the, the beatitudes themselves but i thought it was interesting the the correlation between the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes, and yeah. it really wasn't until I was digging in and studying for this that that really came out. Yeah, yeah. Tim Mackey uh, was talking about the Beatitudes and said like the he he thinks of them like a pool, like anybody can read these, and you know just like anyone can walk down the steps into the pool, you know. He's like, but then you start saying, well, what are the poor in spirit? What's that like? What, you know, what are we, what are we mourning? What's it mean to be meek? You know? Mm -hmm. And he said that, and you start thinking more and more about them. All of a sudden you realize like you're waiting <laughs> and it's right. 15 feet deep all of a sudden, you know, and you didn't realize that you, all of a sudden you had made it into this, you know, that the there's, deep end. there's so much depth to each one of these, but here they are. I'll, I'll just start right at them. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or do you want me to do blessed on each of them? Blessed. Ble okay. Blessed. Blessed are those who <laughs> mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the first beatitude then uh, is it, the the reward for theirs is the heaven, the kingdom, kingdom of, heaven. of heaven, right? And then the last one is theirs is the kingdom of heaven, so it's repeated, right? And then verse eleven also has the the is structure, the tense, right? For right. yours, your reward is great in heaven, but all this, all the ones in the between say shall mm -hmm. so it's a future pointed so yeah that that's just hitting some of those structural things the the when you brought up the fact that the first how it kind of parallels the ten commandments and that the first four are similarly more vertical facing us and god and the others are horizontal between us and others um i don't i had never heard that before i thought it was really interesting i wondered where did you study that or learn that or was that something that you determined <laughs> as you're looking i'm just curious yeah like, I've I'm, never heard I'm not that. smart enough on my own to figure out stuff <laughs> like that so you know there's there there's no shortage of of information out there on the Beatitudes and uh, no shortage of opinions and, and some of them are better and worse than others and um, I think uh, I was looking at a uh, commentary on the uh, Sermon on the Mount by John Stott and okay. he raced there. John Piper um, also had uh, some commentary on that so pretty re pretty reliable sources in that but yeah um, yeah it's hard yeah it's interesting because it's like I see, I see that connection, but at the same time, I'm thinking like, does that really fit every one of these? Well, one that one of the things I'll say the second one, with mourning, I agree with you that I think primarily, or even maybe the the main focus is you're mourning over your own sinfulness. Mm -hmm. And for me, it when we were in small group, I was reminded of Christ weeping at the tomb of Lazarus, and he was mourning. He was mourning not for his own sinfulness. But recognizing the sinfulness in all of these people, yeah, like the devastation of sin causes death, and these people lack faith, and he's mm -hmm. saying, "I will bring him back to life," and they're mourning for him, and you know they're like, "What are you talking about? He's dead. He's been dead for days," and yet you know, and so he is the you know famous text, the smallest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept, right. and so that you know struck in my mind, and I was thinking, and then. Um, and then also in our small group discussion, one other person reminded us of, of uh, Ecclesiastes where it says it's better to go to the house of mourning yeah. than the house of mirth, <laughs> because like, yeah. which is a really interesting little section of Ecclesiastes. And so we were just kind of looking at other times in which mourning is mentioned. And that's not to say that, that those who mourn isn't, isn't talking about mourning over sin, but could it also be talking about death and mourning because you had mentioned it's not necessarily about mourning over the loss of a loved one per right. se. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. So I I don't know. I think kind of backing up just a bit, I, I think the thing to, the, that I really tried to focus on, on particularly the first four, was that there was a, this sense of emptiness or, mm -hmm. or longing or need spiritual poverty spiritual right? that poverty one. that that's really the foundation if you don't if you're not there if you don't have this hunger if you don't have this sense of emptiness 
nothing else is going to flow out of that. Yeah. Um, you know, the the mourning piece is is really do the things that grieve God grieve us. Mm. So if you look at those Ten Commandments, those are the things that God has said, you know, these are the things that I don't want you to do because this is the, the moral law that, that I'm going to say separates you us right now. So Jesus came to restore that broken relationship through his blood on the cross. There was no way that man could do it on their own. So in the midst of that, do we see that sin in ourselves? Do we see that brokenness, that separation from God? And Mm -hmm. does that really cause us to, 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 to weep? You know, I, do do we as Christians weep at stuff like that, or or have we come become numb to it and just accept it? Yeah, yeah, I think that is the best like reading of that. But I also think there's maybe a secondary way to look at it, which is like this other: the fact that mourning over our own sin, the fact that we should mm-hmm. have a right understanding of how dreadful we are, <laughs> that leads us to mourn. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the outcome of that sin is death, right? That's what God told Adam and Eve the day that you right. it, you shall surely die. I don't know if you mentioned that. Maybe you did. I don't know. No, I didn't. Um, but, and then, so that of course leads to death, which often is, co- you know, connected to mourning. Yeah. And uh, anyway, right. so it's, it's kind of like Sorry. it's connected to, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and I think the, the other thing that was interesting to me, kind of getting back a little to the flow and the structure of it, uh, Jesus is brilliant. You know, I, we could only ever hope to to get a fraction of what he was doing, but <laughs> the way he crafted this message, the flow of it, the the first four, like I said, really were kind of pointing to this emptiness, this leading up to this desire, this hunger mm. and thirst for righteousness, this this God righteousness, not not our self righteousness, but a righteousness that comes from God. But then the the second part of that was the outflowing of that. So once you start getting that filling by the Holy Spirit and you're you're changing to become more like Christ, there's this outflowing of mercy, of peacemaking, and um, it, it, it just... I think I mentioned the, this passage from, from John chapter 7 where um, Jesus says, you know, if, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and mm-hmm. then out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. And he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And so as I pictured that, I was just imagining, so as we hunger and as as our emptiness is filled by God, that's flowing out of us to yeah. love other people. Now, that, that is really helpful. I, I thought that was, you know, the part of the message that was really instructive for me personally, like how you brought out, it, it, they build. Poverty mm-hmm. of spirit is is you have to get there before you can get anywhere else. You have to yeah. recognize your need for God. And that leads you to mourn over your own sinfulness, which then leads you to, to you know, be meek, display a right understanding of who you are and have humility. And then that humility leads you to, to long for God, long to, um, and then as a result, yeah, I, I see how they build on one another yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and that um, rich young ruler that you started your sermon with yeah. is such a great, uh, you know, kind of example of that, where he's like, "Dude, I, Jesus, what do, what do I need to do f- to inherit the kingdom?" Right? I, I've kept all these laws. He's basically saying, "Like, hey, Jesus, like, tell me I did it, right? Tell me I did it. Look what I did, 
And and Jesus is like, no, I'm not. I'm not telling you that you did it. Uh, how about you just, you know, get rid of all that wealth you have and just come be my disciple. You know, that'd be cool, right? And he's like, oh, but I, but I already did it. <laughs> I already did. The, funny, I already did the stuff I was supposed to do. I mean, basically, he says like I've I followed the latter half of the ten words, the ten commandments, and <laughs> Jesus says, "Yeah, I know. Now follow the first three. Yeah, come love me. Forsake <laughs> all these other gods you have, which is your wealth and your yeah. security, and trust in me only. Like lose this gold that you have that you're turning into an idol and follow me. Like he was basically saying, you you're doing the second half and yeah. not the first half. So so just. Uh, quick test for you guys yeah so out of that list that jesus gave him of the second six of the yeah. commandments that fall into the the love your neighbor category which one did he leave off that shall not covet that shall not covet because wow. the coveting <laughs> is, is is idolatry that's yeah. what colossians tells us. that that's where his heart was yeah his heart was in his possessions and nice. he had so many it, i mean just the the way jesus went about that and that interaction yeah. was was so beautiful because i think we all want to do it on our own we yeah. all want to oh, yeah. you know pull out this I, I think i showed you my 10 commandments bookmark that you just mm-hmm. check them off and done 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 and you know those are the ones that are more easily measured right have I committed adultery? Part. I mean, co- no. Coveting. Have I committed? Have I committed murder? Other yeah. than no. coveting, yeah, you're yeah. Right. So, yeah. so all those I could, I could see where somebody could more easily check those boxes, yeah, yeah. but but that's not where Jesus wanted to go with it. He wanted to get right to the heart, and I think that's the thing with the yeah. these beatitudes and where Jesus was going, and where if if you look through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, because he starts getting into the. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder, or you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he takes it to the next level, just like he did with that rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Takes it to the heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So all the things that he could do on his own, in his own power, he was cool with. I'll take the blessing for that. But anything that I have to trust and be vulnerable, he was like, nah, I don't want it, you know? And that's where it's so, like you said, I I mean, I remember your exact words, but essentially you had said like all of our other blessing flows out of our recognition of our need for God, you know, that poor in spirit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So which one of these was like, do you most identify with (laughs) or least identify with? Which do I most like or which do I least (laughs) like? There you go. So, so, you know, it's kind of like everything else. It kind of ebbs and flows through your life as to to what God's doing. And, um, you know, there's a couple I like. I I think right now God's got me broken down pretty good and I've really – spent a lot of time in the this idea of being poor in spirit and mm-hmm. breaking myself, putting myself second and seeking God first. Mm. The one that I, I probably personally am struggling with right now is the, the peacemaker side. Mm-hmm. One that that's one of the more challenging ones. Any time you try to repair relationships between you and somebody else that has a broken relationship or even as a third party trying to mediate a relationship. Yeah. But there, there's an, another aspect of this one, which is probably the side of the peacemaking that I like, and that's 
having to to make peace between people and God. Mm-hmm. And so mediating that and evangelizing is really where that falls mm-hmm. in. So that's probably one, um, you know, just putting the dogs aside. But uh, <laughs> that, that's the one that I probably am struggling with the that, most right yeah, now. Yeah, that one is hard. It was, it was interesting that you connected a bit the pure in heart, which I think, so that pure in heart, is someone which directly precedes the peacemaking, mm-hmm. which is like an integrity or a truthfulness. Yeah. That was a great, uh, that was an insightful connection to me. Yeah, so that, you like, can't you, make peace. Not, yeah, you're not, you're not going to be making peace if you are, if your heart's full of deceit right. and impure motivation. Like you yeah. are not making peace in any of your relationships, you know? Well, I, it's not just making peace. It's what what's the cause of a broken peace. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. so that, that, great, that, yeah. that, that deceit, um, mm-hmm. the the falsehoods that come in there, what break relationships, and then then having to go in and restore those broken relationships based on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the way I was thinking about pure in heart. I mean, when we think, when because, yeah, when I think of that, my mind initially goes to, like, your truthfulness between you and God. But be in, in light of the structure that you're highlighting, that it's kind of good. That's like maybe one way you could think about it. Like you're, you're you know, a right understanding of your own heart before God. But I think even beyond that, it's it's going more horizontal, having integrity and purity of thought and heart with other people too was an interesting thing I hadn't really thought much about before, you know, we were looking at it in that way. So that was pretty yeah. helpful. Oh, that's good. What, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I think I'm almost perfect at all of these <laughs> except for meekness. <laughs> humility. You lack humility. So shocking. But super good at all the other ones. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But did anything connect with you, Rob? No, I mean, when you were looking at them and I mean, yeah, it was funny in our small group, everyone sort of, cause we, I sort of asked a similar question, but, um, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I think that mo- like, we all sort of settled in on that's really where we are most of the time. And that's probably right. That's right in the middle. You know, mm-hmm. like we have a right understanding, not all the time. Do we, are, do, are we actually understanding our own spiritual poverty? But we, those of us who have committed to Christ have done that to some degree by God's grace. He has revealed that to us. And now we're in this place where we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And then it's getting over that hill, so to speak, and starting to live out these characteristics to be merciful and stuff like those are the things we're working on. So I think most of us sort of similarly were like, that's where we are Mm -hmm. most of our time is hungering and thirsting, which is a great place to be. But if we're only there and we're not outflowing, like you were suggesting, then then that's just going to it's a mute, a moot point, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. not going to eventually have any fruit. But I think that's maybe what I would say I most identify with feeling like that most of the time. struggling with yeah i don't know i think you're right it it varies over your Mm -hmm. lifetime like there are parts i think of times in my life where being persecuted um you know by family and friend and coworkers was a huge thing and then at times now where it's like that's pretty minimal you know like i don't often get disparaged because of my faith in fact and we're blessed to be in a community that looks upon us pretty favorably we go to city events and we're pretty well treated you know yeah um so it's just kind of interesting to think about but um yeah i don't know that there was one that was a particular particularly difficult i mean yeah i think i agree peacemaking is is hard 
being being uh, honest and having integrity can be challenging, mm-hmm. especially on these little like white lies kind of thing, like where you want to just sort of bend the truth to make yourself seem better than you really are. Um, that that to me seems like someone you know who is lacking a purity of heart when and it's a very small thing and it's easy. It's like you were saying, it's a respectable sin right. where you just. You just say you did a little more than you really did so that the person thinks you're a little better than you really are. You know, like I find myself doing that at times. And so like those are those are some of the mm. things. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. You, you were talking about, you know, kind of you, you want based on what you're hearing here, you want to see the outflow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, following this is where Jesus talks about us being the salt and the light. So, you know, we really need to be careful about taking these just in isolation, right? Yeah. So Jesus is saying that there there's an outcome that I'm looking for from this. And, and it wasn't mm-hmm. just, you know, as soon as we got done with persecution, he stopped and that was the end of the message. So he continued right into being the salt and the light. And so how are we going to take these kingdom attributes, these kingdom characteristics, and be the salt and be the light in the world? Yeah. yeah, and then he gets into detail about how to do that. Yeah. Right. What about you? Well, yeah. I guess you already mentioned. Well, I mean, actually, me. for me, it's funny because uh, it's what you were saying we probably are all good at. That's the one that stood out to me, and maybe it's just the way I think of it or, you know, the the criticisms I have of myself, but actually hungering and thirsting for righteousness is what stood out to me. And I think it's because I, when I think of, like, hunger and thirst – I think of like a, a desperation, like yeah. I need, like yeah. I will die without this, you know? And mm. I don't always feel super hungry and thirsty. Like I actually have found myself praying often, like, man, I want to like just long for this. Mm-hmm. Like Andy uh, Bly had a really good uh, devotional out of Proverbs about, you know, like just like that love of the word. And the, I feel like that's come up. Uh, for me often this like love of God's word or or the psalmist that delight on mm. the law you know like how to, like are we taking the Ten Commandments home and just like I'm gonna just read, enjoying I'm them. gonna read these again <laughs> you know yeah but uh, there's been times in my life where I've felt like hungry and thirsty for righteousness and for a right relationship with God and I ought like sometimes I don't feel like hungry and I've found myself praying like man God I want like I want like my hunger to keep me from sleeping tonight. Like I like I want to just be like stuck awake thinking about you mm. praying, you know? And I think like that there's been times in my life where I'm like this is all I can think about. Yeah. Like I am so blessed with the sin that you've cut from my life and all I can think about is like when do I get a chance to sit down and have my devotional time again? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and those are going to ebb and flow with our, you know, our pace of life and our stress level. You know, like that's going to like always ebb and flow. But, um, but yeah, I think of times when I was like hungry, Mm -hmm. thirsty, like legitimately. And I'm like, "Ah, I want to get back to that feeling. I thought your, your analogy of like, it's hard for us to to identify with hunger at thirst, right. right? Yeah. But but like sort of wrestling with a friend underwater. I I can uh, I can think of times where I was being held underwater, and I was like, I'm gonna die if I don't <laughs> yeah. get here. Like I, you know, or like maybe you're in the ocean and the wave topples you just right, and you're like, I think this is it. Like yeah, I don't know where the top of the ocean is. You're tum- in the tumbler. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, I was actually thinking of a time I went rafting with uh, Steve oh, McClarty. Yeah. And, <laughs> 
uh, fell off. And he was this, the guide. Fell off in this. Did he guide well, you well? It was his, it was his son Chuck, and I, oh, okay. I, I still think Chuck pushed me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, don't say. <laughs> Steve film Mc- says different. Don't say Steve was the guide right before he tells the story. <laughs> so so, so well, St- anyone else want Steve to take him on a trip? <laughs> so Steve Steve was the one actually up on the shore filming and laughing. I can oh, hear him nice, laughing nice. in the background. No, he wasn't because it was it was a pretty serious because I fell off right where the the water folded under mm. and and. It's like one minute I was in the the raft, the next minute I was underwater, looking at this darkness and wondering how I got there, and and then I just kept thinking, you know, am I going to get to breathe again? And yeah. you know, I was wearing a a wetsuit and a life vest and um, a splash suit, so there was no way if I was just on the top of the water, there was no way I could have got under. But the water pressure was holding me under, and it was like you know, it only eight or nine seconds that I was actually underwater. Yeah. But it was like I was, I don't, I didn't even remember taking a breath going under. So I was wondering, you know, is this it? Am I going to get to like breathe years. again? And, and yeah. I remember going from the dark and seeing the light, and at the as I got closer to the top, and I was thinking. Wow, I'm gonna get to breathe again, and it was just—it was a great feeling. Yeah, that was a—I think that's a helpful picture for people to for keep sure. in your mind when you think about the thirst that you or the hunger and thirst. It's almost like taking a breath. Um, that last one, though, I think it would be interesting to spend a few minutes because you kind of, for the sake of tying them, I'm, I'm sure didn't have time to get into it. But Jesus really gives a longer explanation yeah. of persecution because he wants to make sure people understand all the like it's the only one with all these caveats where he says you know revive uh, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you and he gives these two important things falsely like so they make these claims falsely and not only are they false but they're also on my account right yeah. like they're because you're a christian or you're following christ so you're and, saying I can't just walk around being a jerk to people and then <laughs> when they're mad. Be like, be like yeah. persecuted. That's okay. It's all right. I got treasure in heaven. Say what you want. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's exactly right. Like, yeah. you, that doesn't give you, you know, you can't just say, oh, I'm a jerk and turn it into, oh, I've just been being persecuted. Well, yeah. and I think um, I used a couple of examples of, you know, political views or social justice yeah. stances or, um, you know, racial things, you know. Y- that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's being persecuted for your righteousness, your faithfulness to right. Jesus Christ. Not your stance it, on gun control? Yeah, it's not your stance <laughs> on gun control. Okay. It's what, where you stand in relation to Jesus. And, and if you're on his side, you can expect that at some point in your life, there's going to be persecution. Yep. That yeah. is true. And and also that false claim as well. It's like right. because, you know, people might say things and they, they may not, you know, if they're not true, you know what I mean? So, and on the kind of, and then he also gives this, this imperative, like you mentioned, the only mm-hmm. imperative, right. which an imperative is, is something that, you know, God is telling us to do essentially. And in this case, it's rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven yeah. and they persecuted the prophets. So be happy, get yeah. excited when people, you know, revile you. Yeah. Emily brought up the story in our, in our life group, the story in acts, you know, where they get beaten and they like yeah. walked away. Like, can, you know, we're mm. like, so can you believe it? We were counted worthy of getting beat up for this. <laughs> like they were like yeah. so pumped. Like they like it was, they had won the lottery, dude. They, they were actually some of the few that got to be, beaten and scorned yeah and uh and they find that excitement and i i I was saying i think that probably is one of the harder ones for us to connect with because like you said we are rarely persecuted 
in the way like the audience of this author mm-hmm. had been persecuted oh, for sure. or the way yeah. Christians around the world are persecuted at yeah. times. So it's probably a, a more difficult one for us to connect with because we will rarely have the opportunity to experience like severe persecution and then react with gratitude to God in the midst of mm-hmm. it. Like we won't get a lot of chances to practice that. You know? Yeah, we were, um, when I was in Uganda one year, we were walking around and sharing the gospel with people in a uh, one of the slum areas. And we got into uh, an area that was predominantly Muslim. And um, we had people coming up and yelling at us, Christians, get out of here. Christians, leave. Mm. And and it was a, a bit of a tense situation. And, um, I was glad I had, was with a Ugandan pastor who could, you know, calm the situation. But I, I could see where that would get ugly real quick. Mm. Yeah, right. I thought it was, uh, I, I liked the insight you gave, too, uh, about the the way these two flowed the previous one to this one, like blessed are the peacemakers. So strive to make peace with people. Right. And now let me tell you all about what you do when you're persecuted. (laughs) It's like strive for peace, but expect persecution like that. That's going to happen. Right. And so it isn't, uh, you know, again, it's like some important caveats, like you were saying, like falsely and my name, like there, there's the, an important caveat to blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, but you are not, making peace with everyone at all costs. Yeah. You are, you know, going to be persecuted because there's going to be some people that won't make peace with you because they will not want to hear what you have to say and they will want you to drop your convictions right? uh, and, and step away from your allegiances to Christ to do what they want. And if you won't do it, you're going to be persecuted. Um, so it's not a, it's not a figure out how to make peace and compromise, you know, the 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 ethic of the kingdom right. in order to do it. Yeah. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. Anything else in there we wanted to key in or any? Well, any we, we, we could spend a long I know, time exactly. About any, <laughs> any thoughts that you're like, I really wanted this in my sermon, but... Oh man, there, there, there's so much. Yeah. There, 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 it's, uh, I, I was telling somebody this morning, it's like, there, there's like this Columbia River of information I want to share, but I only have enough time in, in focus to be able to, to do a stream. Yeah. And so right. there, there's so much, I mean, even just looking at the, like the context of the Sermon on the Mount, I, I think right. if, if we could talk about that for just a second. Yeah. So if you go back to, you know, towards the end of chapter four, it talks about Jesus uh, going throughout the region and sharing the gospel and then his healings that were drawing people and, and draw, drew this great crowd that ended up on this mountain where he sat down then and started teaching. So then if you look at the, the greater context of the Sermon on the Mount, so he goes through and he talks about the law and he gets to the, the heart of the issue. But then after the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, or he goes through and he does the things that he's been talking about. He mm-hmm. goes out and, and he's healing and you know demonstrating the things that he was just talking about. And then it ends up in um, chapter 9, I think it's verse 33, where... Matthew bookends the whole section by talking about Jesus going out and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so the, this whole sermon, this whole 
demonstration of Jesus's power and healing and, and calling people to himself is is bookended. So it kind of wraps this whole thing together. So, yeah. you know, it's so important to look at uh, the overall context, not just uh, the the micro context of what you're looking at in, in this particular section, but, you know, what is it that's happening throughout this whole gospel? And mm-hmm. that's what makes the word so beautiful and, and why I wanted to, to really end the way I did talking about you know, when, when Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, then you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Yeah. And, it, and it was really just a, a, a urging for people to find, like you were talking about, do I really dwell in the word? Do I really hunger for it? Do I wake up in the morning thinking about it? Do I go to sleep at night thinking about it? <clears throat> and that was really, I think, the word that, that God wanted me to leave with people. You've heard this, but but now what? Yeah, abide in me and I will change you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, good word for sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's shift gears a little. Volunteer of the week. Volunteer of the week this week. We've already been talking about him a bit. We did, we did. Uh, but we have Brian Olson That's right. as our We're volunteer give him a shout out. of the week, doing an awesome job, uh, you know, providing something really important and needed and uh and he's such a like we were already saying he's such a hard worker uh such a detail oriented guy he has great experience and is willing to to serve us in our our community of believers Mm -hmm. by uh by being willing to jump in and do yeah i pre i just really appreciate his commitment to this body of believers you know like absolutely that's what 100 110 percent. he is just very he is in the family for the family you know like he's here to serve i just really appreciate that about brian a lot yeah Yeah, he and he and Lori both are are, you know such wonderful people to be around they're they're in my life group and Mm -hmm. so i have the the pleasure of of spending you know a lot of time with them and you know, a lot of time outside of church type of things as well, and have really come to uh, appreciate his spirit and his his um, desire to serve. Yeah. yeah, I as well. Yeah, the the more I get to know him, the more I respect him. I uh, he had me over for uh, for coffee at his place yeah. one time, and he had homemade bread and jelly and <laughs> and you know and co- a pot of coffee, and uh, and it was it was nice to just sit and chat with him. Uh, just uh, you know, a wise guy with very mm-hmm. caring and uh, um, yeah. So if you see Brian around, congratulate him, volunteer of the week. <laughs> Good job, uh, Brian, and uh, and tell him how much you appreciate him. And next time you're going up the stairs, really grip that handrail <laughs> and give think, it a test. Yeah, shake it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a little extra weight on it and think, man, Brian does a great job. <laughs> very good. It's time for Bible trivia right now. All right, are you guys ready? We'll see. Nope. Are you Not ready? At all. Not this at one, all. this one got me. I'm, I did this trivia to myself first. Oh. Okay. This biblical figure married a woman named Ozanoth. Ozanoth. A S A S E. N A T H. I mean, you got to give us a time period Ozanoff. or a book or something. Who is he? Uh, I have. So if you don't know, you don't know it off the top of your head. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't. This woman's All right. name is not ringing a bell. Okay, no. I will. I'm going to give you multiple choice then. All right, here's your options. Okay. You could choose from Joshua, Isaac, 
Joseph or Laman, who married Ozanoth? Joshua. Joshua. Rob, do you have a, a vote? Guess. <laughs> I actually want to say Joseph, but I don't know. The answer is... It is Joseph. Yeah. Oh. Isn't that it's, weird? It's Joseph, an Egyptian name. You don't think it, because Joseph's story is like, yeah, it's very, it has nothing to do with, it's mentioned at the very It's all about Genesis his brothers. Thing, right? yeah, it has nothing exactly. to do with him. Like, yeah, it's like literally, I was like, wait, what? And it is, it's like one sentence. Like, yeah, it was. I got well, well that, that qualifies as trivia. Dude, <laughs> I know. That is a crazy one. I was like, I had no idea. Do you guys want to, you guys want a second chance? It's a, it's another name sure. one. It's another name one that freaked me out. I, I've got to go. I think. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.